today's episode, we're going to talk about financial abuse and things we can do to recover from it. Peace and blessings, everyone. This is Elegant Granny, your favorite granny, the creator and host of the Proactive Eye podcast. Last week's episode was about spiritual abuse, and we discussed how it is not limited to a certain religion or denomination. Any person of any belief system is capable of perpetrating spiritual abuse, just as anyone can be the victim of it. If you missed that episode, you can click on the last week's link in the show notes and also on the blog. This week, we are diving right into financial abuse and how to recover from it. Actually, I'm going to share some things I'm doing to recover it from it myself. Now let's dive right in because this is one a lot of victims and survivors struggle with either before they come out of a toxic relationship or once they come out of it. It depends on their unique situation. So what is financial abuse? It's the controlling a victim's ability to acquire, use, and maintain financial resources. It is also one of the most powerful ways of keeping victims trapped in a toxic relationship or even causing those who have survived to go back into a toxic relationship because of the fear of not being able to sustain themselves or not receiving help needed to sustain themselves once they have left the abusive relationship. Those who are victimized financially may be prevented from working. They also may have their own money restricted or stolen by the abuser, and rarely do they have complete access to money and other resources. When they do have money, they often have to account for every penny they spend. Dealing with financial abuse varies case to case. All victims of it do not experience it the same way. Sometimes an abuser may use subtle tactics like manipulation, while other abusers may be more overt, meaning non-secretive, which is embarrassing to the victim or survivor, and causes um, some of them to retreat into isolation due to their being demanding and intimidating. Sometimes the victims feel inadequate and unsure of themselves due to the emotional abuse that accompanies financial abuse. They often have to go without food and other necessities because they have no money. Financial abuse leaves victims vulnerable to physical abuse and violence. Without access to money, credit cards, and other financial assets, it's extremely difficult to do any type of safety planning. Now, this is why I say to people who often say to me, Granny, all they have to do is leave. No, they cannot just always leave. Financial abuse usually is the biggest factor of why victims do not feel safe enough to leave or survivors feel it necessary to return back to their abusers. For those who think they should just leave, then my question to you is, where are they going to go? And also, how are they going to take care of themselves? Because more than likely, they have been isolated from friends and family, so they do not feel safe going to any of them, which is a whole nother episode, if they are expecting experiencing financial abuse. And if they are experiencing financial abuse, they have no means of taking care of themselves once they leave, 
So my question to that is, if you say to them to leave, are you going to be the same one to provide them and their children, if applicable, with funds needed to take care of themselves until they are able to be sustainable without any help? There are so many factors to consider when thinking it is the best idea, and it is a good idea, the best idea, the safest idea for them to leave an abusive relationship. The best practice is for them to do it and do it safely and have what they need to take care of themselves once they leave because there are other things just as bad as an abusive relationship with someone they deal with, such as dealing with abuse from others once they leave if they are not capable of taking care of themselves afterwards. Now, in lieu of going down the list of how to recover from financial abuse, I'm going to leave a link for you in the show notes and on the blog from Bankrate, which is a consumer financial services company based in New York City. Now, of course, there are other things that go along with financial abuse, but for the sake of time, I'm going to use this moment to share my personal experience with you. That's why I'm leaving the link for you from Bankrate on different things that you can do to recover from abuse. But at this moment, I'm going to share my experience. Before I got married, I had absolutely no debt, no debt at all. I had been through a medical emergency and that came up to roughly near $40,000 altogether um, after my, my insurance had taken care of everything. So when I went back to work, I created a plan and worked on it. And I actually, and I am patting myself on the back because I did good. I was so proud of myself. I paid that nearly $40,000 off in four years to the day, to the day. I, I will always pat myself on the back for that. I worked hard to do that. But getting back to the story, I had no debt. All I had to do was pay my rent, pay for my health insurance, and pay my utilities, and pay the insurance on the car. That was it, because the car was paid for, everything in the house was paid for. All I had to do was take care of those things. My credit score was good. It was near 700. Um, it was like 696, 698, something like that. It was near 700. And so after I got married, I noticed money was not available as it was before in my accounts. And I had several accounts because as I said, all I had to do was save my money um, because I didn't have a need for anything. I had plenty of clothes, plenty of food, plenty of everything. So all I had to do was just save money. Now this didn't take place until I didn't notice the, the money um, not being as available until it was about a year later. So after being married over a year, he had gained control of my funds, and that's how he started attempting to control me. Now, when that did not work, because I was so adamant about not being in debt and strengthening my accounts back up, about a year and a half into the marriage, the physical abuse started. By then, he had gained full control of my accounts. Some of what was mentioned earlier in the show are things I experienced. What I did to get myself out and how I became more sustainable is what helped me to be where I am today. Again, as I am disclosing my experience, each case is different. 
and everything I did may or may not work for everyone. Your way out and how you are sustained after escaping must be customizable to you. Now here are some things I did to begin my recovery from financial abuse. The first thing I had to do was make peace with what was lost or about to be lost. Hold, trying to hold on to the last little penny, um, you know, it can kind of hold you back if you can understand what I'm saying. It, I, for at least for me, I had to make peace with what was already gone because I lost a lot. I had worked hard to build what I had and for it to be snatched away from me. That was a lot to deal with. I had to deal with a lot emotionally. And I also had to deal with a lot of what I was about to lose while trying to recover or gain a little bit of access so it can help me get to my destination of escaping out of my abusive marriage. So once I had my week of getting all of my emotions out about having to run away from an abusive marriage, I be I immediately searched for a bookkeeper. This was this happened like two weeks after um, I ran away. I searched for a bookkeeper. We had a conversation on things I could consider doing and setting goals. And this is what with the bookkeeper that I have today. I am still with her today. We are. Oh, my goodness. She is such a wonderful person. I had never worked with a bookkeeper that was so attentive and listen. When I say listen, she truly listened. And for me, especially someone who was coming out of abusive marriage and um, being controlled, she did not make me feel like just because she had a little bit more wisdom of some things on how to direct my finances and help me regain finances so I can take care of myself, she did not make me feel like she was controlling me. That was very, very, very important. She pretty much told me that I had the situation in the bag because I told her what I did to get myself out of debt before I even got married. And so we started writing down some realistic goals. Writing down realistic goals is what will help you. Everybody has that idea and their desires of where they want to be. But if you don't take care of what you can realistically do for the moment, you're going to be um, very disappointed in other people and in yourself if you do not set realistic goals. You have to break these goals into smaller tasks. And that's the main thing that people forget. They'll set these goals and they'll work towards the goals, but they do not strategically, strategically now, set and create the task that it takes to to accomplish each one of those goals. Another thing I did was I searched for YouTubers who specifically dealt with finances and I found a plethora of them. Um, I only follow maybe like three or four of them right now because dealing with finances, that's a lot of information to try to retain. But the ones that I do follow I follow them religiously, and they are a big help. I'm going to list um, the ones that I follow on the blog, not in the show notes, but on the blog. So make sure if you're not 
following the blog that you follow the blog. And I will leave a link to that description in the show notes. Another thing I did was I located some of the financial books I did not lose and searched for some on my Kindle. I had had a lot of finance books on finances before I got married. That's how I was able to get out of the um, debt that I had accrued from the, my medical emergency before, you know, several years before I was married, which happened back in 2000. So um, I, I had bought a lot of books on, you know, helping with the mindset because changing your finances, it does take dealing with your mindset. And I had, I did that. I worked on myself with that. And I, I did not, um, I did not want to, to lose that mindset that I had before. So I rehashed everything. And I also searched for some of my Kindle. I started conversing with others on the same mindset, but also implementing what they say they do. It's not enough to have conversation with people who talk about money. Try to find someone and de- dive into their their conversation or their sentences when they tell you what needs to be done and this, that, and the other, and see if they are implementing some of these same things that they are saying to do. Another thing I did was I rewarded myself with my reward account. Now, my reward account that I have set up has nothing to do with any of the other accounts. I have this thing where I create different accounts to handle different things because that's the way my mind processes. I have to pigeonhole everything. I can't have everything in a collective. So I have what I need for school in the school account, what I need for the home, the home account, what I need for emergency funds in that account. And then my vacation for that account, paying for taxes, that account, Um, anything I need for business, that account. And I also have one for a reward. And what I do is I cannot touch that until graduation. That's that's the whole thing for that. That's my reward account because I'm back in school. Um, After I left my um, ex-husband. I got, I went back to school and I received my master's in business and now I am working on my doctorates. So as a reward system for doing well and sticking it out, every so often I give myself a few dollars. Well, what I consider a few dollars, somebody else may consider that's not a few dollars, but anyway, um, I have a set amount that I put into that account to say, girl, you did that, you finished that term, and this is what you're going to get. And that's what I do. You know, the same reward you have for your children as they get A's and B's on their report cards. You give them a certain amount for A's, a certain amount for B's, and so on and so forth. I do myself the same way as I complete each term, and I cannot touch it until graduation. That's a reward system for myself. Every week, I reconcile my accounts, my business accounts, my all of my accounts that are listed. I reconcile each one of them because I need to see where I am putting in and where I am taking out and where it's going to. I need to find all of that because every month when I do that, every week actually, when I do that, 
I'm able to see where everything is and where everything is not. I'm able to see what I unnecessarily spent things on and what was necessary. Every month, I look at what is working and what is not. And the last thing I do is I don't feel bad about the way my finances are. That's another big key. Do not feel bad because you do not have money. You went through a traumatic experience. Going through financial abuse is a serious, serious event. Do not feel bad about it. There are things you can do to help yourself. Um, if you are someone who needs to be sh have shelter in place, you have advocates and you have people who um, are, who are in the financial empowerment program, who are head of those programs, who are able to assist you with either finding a job or at least finding some resources to get you some assistance to take care of yourself and children if you have any. Hopefully, I have said something in this episode to help you understand a few things people experience through financial abuse. The month of October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I will disclose more on this topic during that time. You are a great asset in this world, and it is especially important after a life of any form of abuse to see a physician and a mental health specialist to help you excel as you recover. Let a granny know in the voice message feature or by email at proactiveeye at gmail.com some things you do to help you recover. I would love to hear your story and get your perspective on why those things are valuable to you. If you are a concerned citizen and would like to know more about how to support victims and survivors of abuse, follow the links in the show notes or on the blog as your guide. Feel free to email me at proactiveeye at gmail.com with comments, questions, or concerns you would like addressed. It has been a pleasure sharing with you today. All links to connect with me and free resources are in the show notes. Feel free to download episodes and take advantage of the free resources provided. You can visit the Proactive Eye blog at bit.ly forward slash PE podcast blog. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash PE podcast blog. You can also connect with Proactive Eye on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is at Proactive Eye. And also on Facebook, the handle is at Proactive Eye Podcast. This has been your host, Elegant Granny. Thank you for your support and visit again. And remember, Healing is a continuous process, not a one-shot deal. Much love, peace, light, and healing vibes, family. Stay tuned for next week as we discuss suicide prevention as it relates to abuse.